Hello and welcome to Tea Soul Pot. My name's Eve. And I'm Laura. And today our big question is, is TEFL a waste of time? In partly we were prompted to discuss this question uh, because of an article that came out not so long ago in The Guardian. Uh, one reader was asking the question about uh, going into TESOL for a gap year, um, but quote, they worried that um, it wasn't a proper job and that they'd find it difficult to find uh, other prospects afterwards. And this isn't really new. I've encountered this quite a bit. That sort of mentality that TESOL may not be seen as a worthwhile profession to pursue or maybe a distraction. Have you encountered this before? Of course, yeah. I remember speaking to friends and telling them that I was a TESOL teacher and then always being asked afterwards, and what do you plan on doing next? It's kind mm-hmm. of the, the typical response, isn't it? And there was an article published about 10 years ago about the slavery yeah. of TEFL as well, which was really quite damning about the industry in general, where uh, the writer said that um, there were literally no prospects, which just isn't true. Yeah. I don't want to take away from that writer's um, perspective because I think he did have quite a bad experience and I don't want to take away Mm. from people that may have a negative experience, not only in TESOL, but education and working in the school overall. So I'm I'm sure he's valid in that, but it's not representative of um, the opportunities and the real career you can have as a result. So to help us address today's question, is TESOL a waste of time? We've invited our guests, Timothy Liu, to help us today. Tim, would you like to just introduce yourself and say a bit about where you're from and where you work. Yeah, gladly. Um, thanks for having me, first of all. So my name is Timothy Liu. I was born and raised in Hong Kong. I'm half Chinese, half American, but definitely consider myself a third culture kid and a Hong Kong local. And I think you've invited me here because of my teaching experience that I had in Hong Kong uh, teaching in a local primary school. Yeah. So could you just uh, tell us a little bit about what you're doing now and how you got there? Yeah, totally. I'm working in a couple different places right now, uh, primarily doing copywriting, um, writing editorial content, uh, also social media posts and managing their social media, but also doing some graphic design as well. So it's a good combination of writing Mm -hmm. and designing. Okay, so you mentioned before you took on this role that you worked in a primary school um, prior to becoming a copywriter. Can you just summarize what your teaching experience is and whether it's just purely primary or if you did other things around Hong Kong? Yeah, definitely. Teaching at a primary school is actually the last teaching job that I had, but I started teaching originally in high school. So that was mostly tutoring, though, because in Hong Kong, one of your high school jobs, I guess, as native English speakers is often tutoring. So I would say that's when I started. And then I was teaching at a summer school for... Uh, international students primary as well but doing art so it wasn't really heavy into English and it wasn't for speakers of English as a second language these were usually native English speaking students Uh, but I did that for 14 years and then eventually I got a job teaching drama at a company that would outsource me to different schools and those were local schools and then the last job that I had was at a primary school for five years so that's where my ESL teaching came came into play. What skills and knowledge did you gain during your teaching that then helped you to, uh, to get your current job? Yeah, great. This, this question is something I've been thinking a lot about, especially in applying to jobs after teaching, um, trying to take stock of what teaching did teach me. And I'd go back to communication skills. So developing a way to communicate a lesson to students in the clearest, easiest possible way for them to understand is really important. And then planning and strategy. I think every teacher goes crazy over 
organizing lessons and the long-term goals that you have for students and how you achieve those in step-by-step process. Mm -hmm. So strategy and planning is definitely something I've taken away from teaching that I'm really, really thankful for. Um, And then also, like I said, being really organized. I think I remember as a teacher having like folders for everything and like all my stationery nice and ordered and even just files on the computer. I think teachers go kind of OCD about here's where all my lessons from this month are and uh, and so forth. So yeah, organization. But overall, I think one of the most important was emotional intelligence. So this is something that can't really be taught in a book, in a classroom mm-hmm. yeah. setting necessarily as someone teaching you how to be emotionally intelligent. And teachers don't really get that teaching of how to be emotionally aware. But as a good teacher, you do learn it. You learn to look at your kids' faces and see like, Okay, what do they need right now? Are they angry at me? Is it angry because they don't understand the lesson? Did something happen? What do they need me for? How do I be really incredibly patient right now with a class that's going haywire and handle my emotions so I don't get unhinged? Um, And yeah, just, just being able to read the room and be emotionally aware is something that uh, I value a lot. That's really interesting that you mentioned uh, emotional intelligence amongst the other like transferable skills. How did you convey that to potential employers when you're looking to transition from um, a role in education to a role in copywriting, which mm-hmm. is what you do now? I would actually really highlight that point in my interviews because a lot of these interviewers would look at my teaching experience and see it as a blip in my resume or question like, mm-hmm. why did you include uh, teaching experience on your resume? Because I had other graphic design or other jobs as well. So they would look at the teaching experience part of the my resume and be really critical of that. So I would explain to them that it taught me emotional intelligence, which I learned is one of the top 10, top 20 qualities that employers are looking for employees in the next two decades or whatever the statistic was. But it's it's climbing the, the ranks in what employers look for. Mm-hmm. And it is really important because you can have all the pedigree, you can have all the fancy titles and extracurricular activities or whatever, but emotional intelligence is something that makes you a good worker. It makes you really easy to work with, but also really aware of yourself to, to and how to be a good person to other people and really just like a valuable asset to the company. So I would highlight that when they ask me, oh, why teaching? Mm-hmm. I would say this is what... This is how it's made me become employable to you now. So what would you say to people that consider TESOL a waste of time? I would say those are fighting words, but I can see where it comes from. Because um, just like with any job, there's people who are good at it and bad at it. And there's people who do treat teaching as a waste of time. So those are probably waste of teachers, really. So there, there's... There's people who see it as a stopgap. There's people who see it as, oh, I can take advantage of um, something being easy or, you know, getting out of the country and doing something that, I don't know, they, they consider to be frivolous. Um, but I, I argue that it's not a waste of time if you make it worthwhile. So if you're going to see the opportunity for everything that it can be, it's definitely not going to be a waste of time. So it's really about attitude, I think. So in terms of those people that are thinking of going into TESOL on a short-term basis, maybe just for a year, year Mm -hmm. and a half, something like that, what advice would you give to them in terms of working on their transferable skills and approaching 
that job. Mm. Yeah, I would really, I usually really encourage people to consider it as a, a viable option, a legitimate option to do with their time. Um, I would tell them that, that they should be motivated, that, you know, they should throw themselves fully into teaching. So do all your homework, like do the planning, do the lesson planning, um, try to do as much work as you can to make the lesson engaging. Because I, I always found the more fun I had in planning or putting together a lesson or the more fun I had teaching a lesson, it was noticeable by the kids. And the worst lessons were the ones I would go in thinking, ah, I can half-ass this. I'll write a lesson plan on a post-it note before I go in and just wing it. Those ones were always the worst. I would be scrambling. I would feel uncomfortable. <laughs> I would, you know, be trying to pull straws. And then it would show in the kids, like, they would be uncooperative. Yeah. So I would say if it's only going to be a short amount of time, don't waste time. You're going to waste time if you're, if you're like, half-assing it. Can I say that? Yeah, you can. Okay. Yeah. I just did. <laughs> Twice. Um, yeah. Just really, really try your best to, to put your work into the lesson planning and making the lessons engaging because then you start to get a relationship with the kids, which is probably the most valuable thing in teaching, which sets it apart from all other jobs. And also, don't be too hard on yourself. I remember when I first started teaching, I would sweat so much going to a classroom and I would be so hard on myself like oh this was my lesson plan I didn't do this I spent so long on this like I did the planning but then I, I tried to stick to it too much and if it didn't work out I would be really hard on myself but you got to be flexible you got to really roll with the punches okay this part's working stick with it that part's not working lose it so yeah I don't know be motivated be flexible and don't half-ass it Mm -hmm. You can say that for any like job you do, if you're thinking of it as just like a short-term option, yeah. whether it's an internship or like a year mm -hmm. abroad, whether it's teaching or whatever, like try and make the most of it and think yeah. about the transferable skills you can apply to other, other jobs and roles yeah. you may have in the future. Yeah. I think one thing we need to touch on is the fact that there are some schools out there that aren't well-developed for teachers that may not have the support and development programs in place. I think that we do hear stories or we have experienced mm -hmm. uh, working at a school or a centre that just wasn't a good fit. So what advice would you give to um, people who are looking at working in TESOL to make sure that they do pick the right school and not one that would be a waste of time because they're overworked or may yeah. not have enough support, that sort of thing? Yeah, I would say I definitely agree with you that there are schools and centres out there that you just hear horror stories about and uh, it's usually the teachers who get the short end of that stick and, yeah. and get taken advantage of. But yeah, try your best to look into the credibility of it. Like look for their website, look on if they have social media, uh, what's their presence like? Does it look um, legitimate? And mm -hmm. I mean, does it show you a good sense of what the school is about? And try to find past teachers who have worked there. Yeah. I remember at the place that I worked at that I really hated, that really screwed me over. After that, all I wanted to do was tell everybody, don't work there. Yeah. So, and that's sort of what other teachers started to do as well, is stop recommending that place. Mm -hmm. So I think a good place to start, or if you can, find teachers who have worked there or do work there and ask them, how is it like? Like, do, are they taking care of you? Mm -hmm. And is it legitimate? Yeah. And if a school's unwilling to put you in contact with a past teacher or even a current teacher, then that's usually a red flag for yes, me. Yes, definitely. Red flags. So I think another thing that's quite interesting for me is if you'd wanted to stay within TESOL, but perhaps look at other development opportunities, 
Um, what was there available to you at that time? Mm. I think it's really dependent on the school or the placement that you have. For example, these opportunities probably wouldn't apply to anyone in a learning center. Um, but I do have friends who, who found learning centers that help them apply and uh, go through their master's program. But I find it more likely in a school setting or a, mm -hmm. like a teaching scheme, like in Hong Kong, the net scheme. My teacher friends on the actual net scheme, they've all taken the initiative to pursue further education, getting masters, getting diplomas or certificates in teaching. And um, I can't speak to how much the school helps them with that, but I know that the net scheme itself um, affords them enough money to, to pursue those and the teaching schedule allows for it. And then I'm sure the school supports them because they'll eventually be, reap the benefits of their teachers being more qualified. So I can't personally speak about having done that myself, but I know mm -hmm. a lot of, almost all of my net scheme teachers' friends have done that. I don't know, maybe you guys have more experience. Well, I know a few people that have gone into perhaps uh, course book writing after being in TESOL, working for publishers. Um, other people that have stayed uh, within the same organization, but they've been promoted perhaps to a coordinator position, a senior teacher position. Uh, director of studies, th those types of things. Um, of course, then there are teacher trainers. What about you, Laura? Do you know yeah. people that have gone into those types of yeah, jobs? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I used to work for Education First, which is mm -hmm. one of the largest, well, I think it is the largest uh, private it's huge. Yeah, <laughs> education provider in the world. So they have many departments. And I, I think my own story, like I started off as a kids and teens teacher with them originally. I moved over to teaching adults. I became a senior teacher and then I became a manager uh, like a DOS, a director of studies for a school, mm. then a trainer, and then like a national online trainer. Oh, wow. And like from that, like the, there's also lots of opportunities for me to sidestep into like recruitment. I know a lot of my colleagues did. They went from like teaching to recruitment or mm -hmm. to curriculum design, like you mentioned, there's opportunities in that. The thing is with TESOL, it's, it's more than just teaching. So if you want to just do teaching for a short amount of time and then think about um, exploring other skills or other experiences that you have from maybe your university uh, studies and applying that to your career mm. than you can do because it's, it's absolutely huge from yeah. course book design online learning platforms are huge now like developing those you're totally right even yeah. I sort of limit my idea of TESOL to only teaching I don't even really mm. think about all these things that you just listed which basically you've done you've climbed like the whole ladder yeah. so yeah that's really really true yeah so to sum up, I think we've established that TESOL is not a waste of time, providing that you do your research and you find a school that supports you and helps you in your development. Yeah, I agree. And as a teacher, think about the transferable skills that you're gaining as a teacher. Don't treat it like a waste of time, but really uh, try to develop those skills that will be applicable even outside of teaching. And I think finally, like TESOL is not just teaching. There's lots of opportunities to go beyond the classroom to do course book design or e-learning or training or being a manager. So there's lots of opportunities available. So a big thank you for Tim for coming yeah, in thanks, today. Thanks, Tim. Oh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. So if you've got a question that you want us to answer, you can contact us at www.tesolpop.com. Alternatively, you can contact us on social media. We're on Instagram, Facebook and LinkedIn. And that's all from us this week. See you next week.